0: This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 18 through 22 is our text. And we're going to continue the sermon from last Sunday in our In Christ series in Ephesians a uh, call for a multi-ethnic church, um, part two. And so this is part two of a um, of a two-part uh, sermon. And so last Sunday, if you did not or you were not here um, last Sunday, I do want to encourage you or strongly urge you um, to go back and listen to or watch whatever you prefer um, the sermon from last Sunday. It was a little long. Um, today I have half- the amount of notes that I had last week, so it's going to be shorter today, I promise. Um, as you look around you today, I may have run some people off from last Sunday, but hey, that's all good, man. Um, but, uh, but no, the Lord, the Lord leads and the Lord guides. And let me just say this before I hop into our text. Um, that's the beauty of expositional preaching. I didn't decide that I wanted to preach on a multi-ethnic church last Sunday. That's not what I decided to do. Through prayer and through the leading of the Holy Spirit back months ago, I decided to go into the book of Ephesians. Everybody understand the process? The Lord was leading me into the book of Ephesians. I'll be honest with you. The real reason why the Lord was leading me into the book of Ephesians is because I feel like the last three chapters, there are some practical applications that I really feel like could help our church family. That was really the the heart and reasoning behind me wanting to get into the book of Ephesians. So the Lord led me to that book. And so as we go, we go to the next verse. next chapter. And so as we hit different things, you know, there's already been the end of uh, Ephesians chapter one. There's a text that if I wasn't an expositional preacher, I would never, ever preach that text. Like there's nothing that would draw me, but that's the beauty of it. We unpack the, the text. We unpack a book so that when we're done with the book of Ephesians, similar to the book of Philippians, now, hopefully, when you go back through in your daily personal, by the way, what you should be having, daily personal Bible reading, and you go through the book of Philippians, you may pull some truths and some things may come back to memory that we preached about when we went through the book of Philippians. And so the same with the book of Ephesians. I didn't select this topic. I didn't ask for this topic. Um, but it's what the text brought us to. And that was a good thing for me. Um, this call for multi-ethnic church. Is nothing new in my heart. The development of it is somewhat, I guess, fresh in my heart. But the idea of it is a long time coming. How many of you understand that you can have an idea about something for a long time, but there's it's not sealed yet, and there's not feet to your ideas. And, um, and so I don't want to just be an idea person. I wanted the Lord to show me through his word, by the way, that's the best way. Um, the Lord to show me through his word, um, the feet to this, what the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears look like. And so that's kind of the heart behind it, but I'll be honest with you. That's why I love preaching through a book of the Bible. I really love that because it, it causes us to deal with what God, the Holy Spirit authored through the pen of, of men, you know, thousands of years ago. Uh, We go through that. We walk through that as a church. And so, um, if you if you are looking for a church where the pastor picks about ten topics and he rotates through those topics in creative ways, we're not the church for you. You know, we're going to talk about okay, some way. I'm of course I'm going to talk about you know salvation. You know, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about you know different topics, and we're going to have about ten of them, and then we're going to rotate through those topics. Now, if you're not really paying attention, you won't catch on to that. But if you really pay attention and you mark every sermon, okay, that was on this topic. There's about 10. That's not the church. That's not what we're going to be and that's not what we're going to do. We're going to preach and teach through the Bible. And so that was how we landed where we landed last week. I want to give you that backstory. That's how we landed where we landed. And guess what? When we get into any other chapter of the Bible, that's how we're going to land there as well. We're going to be preaching through a book and we land on it. And the Lord opens it up for us and we learn and we, and we then apply it to our lives. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 18 this morning. Down through verse 22, the end of the chapter. The Bible says this, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building... Being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I love the wording and the terminology in this text. One Spirit, verse 18. Verse 19, fellow citizens, members of the household of God. Verse 21, being fitted together. Verse 22, being built together. And where this started and what we talked about last Sunday was that God called the Christians in the, in the town of Ephesus, in the churches around Ephesus, he called those Christians not just into community, but into a multi-ethnic community. We spoke about how the primary um, uh, interpretation is, is, yes, that the Jews and the Gentiles, which we we found out last week and we admitted that we were all Gentiles. None of us here are, are fully 100% Jewish nationally, so we're all Gentiles. The Jews and the Gentiles, yes, Jesus did come so that the Jews did not have claim to the Messiah, that the Messiah was for everyone and grace was for everyone. And we know that's a primary interpretation, but we also know that there's a practical application that was truly, really going on in that time, and that was racial tension. That was the Jews not liking people that were not Jewish for reasons that went far past that salvation reason. Um, Those countries had uh, held them in slavery uh, off and on for thousands of years, and so they hated them. And then On the reverse, those other countries and those other people that didn't look like them and didn't speak the same language as them and things like that, they hated the Jews because the Jews claimed the Messiah as their own. And this was an exclusive thing. And if you weren't a Jew then you had no access. In fact, the only access you could have would be men to be circumcised. By the way, little known fact there, they were requiring that like not of your children, but like if you were a grown man and you wanted to become a Jew and be a Christian, you had to be circumcised. Um, And they claimed that as their rite of passage. And so when Jesus came and he died and grace came and the gospel came, grace and the gospel came to say, Jesus fulfilled all that law. He lived that perfect life. He fulfilled it. And then he died on the cross and he offers us grace. That's where we got to in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's how we got here. And so he calls us to be reconciled to those Jews or Gentiles that we would not be reconciled to because of our racial problems. I mentioned last Sunday, this is just review. I mentioned last Sunday, it's widely known that Jesus would walk on that, walk on that road to Samaria. And it was widely known, theologians throughout history have said, Jews did not walk on that road. Why? Because if a Jew got caught on that road, they were killed. And the fact that Jesus would even walk down that road showed signs of him trying to bridge a racial gap. Woman at the well. She was a Samaritan woman. Not only did Jesus step over some um, relational bounds there, being seen with a woman that was like her in public by himself and she by herself, but he also stepped through some ethnic boundaries there to love and to offer living water to that Samaritan. So we have to understand the issues that we see in 2018 The issues that now, because of social media and because of technology, we see on a day-to-day basis, right? All the time. There's a new, 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 there's a new. You do understand, and I'm not making light of anything, of the racial tension that happens in 2018. You do understand that 10 years ago, 90% of these issues we wouldn't even know about. Because we just, we weren't at that stage of technology where like everything was videotaped. You do understand, like, I mean, I think we, didn't, we haven't always had cell phones with cameras that caught video. Any of you in here old enough to remember that? <laughs> Tell my kids, like, I didn't get a phone until I was 18 or 19. They're like, what? Um, how did you survive? Um, but... Even then, I mean, it was like I was in my 20s before I got one that like, took video. And you remember when you first got a cell phone that took video? It was like, it looked like it was horrible. I mean, you couldn't—you might as well not even take video because it was, it was horrible. But nowadays, every little thing. But lest we think that 2018 is 2017, 2018 have just been just crazy. No, it, it comes all the way back. The racial tension and the racial issues came all the way back. And part of the reason for the gospel is that we would be reconciled to God, the vertical of the cross, but also that we would be reconciled horizontally to other people. People that, were, that looked like us the, and people that didn't look like us. People that were Jews and people that were Gentiles. People that were, that were rich, people that were poor. We would be reconciled To one another, we made a couple statements last week. One of them being that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. To our shame, we made the statement last week that the school system has figured it out. That your job of your place of employment, they have figured it out. Um, Your for the most part, where you live in your communities, they figured it out. If you go to the mall, South Point Mall, right down here. This afternoon, you walk around you 'll see that society, for the most part, has this figured out now certainly we have a ways to go to, to get better, and we always will be, but society has figured out if you last night if you went to a, if you went to hear a concert last night at a bar somewhere that was live concert, you probably walked in and you probably saw people that didn 't look like you if you went to uh, you know, a, a popular con- a concert. I, there's there are many artists. I won't start naming them because then you'll know my playlist. Uh, but there are many there are many artists in the secular world that attract people from all different backgrounds and ethnicities. So the world is figuring it out. But can we agree that Sunday seems to be the most segregated day of the week? For some reason, we feel comfortable worshiping with people that look like us. And we've, and conversely, we feel uncomfortable worshiping with people that don't look like us. And I want that to change. And there's going to be steps, and it's not, a, it's not an overnight quick fix. We made the statement last week that our Sundays will be no more multi-ethnic than our weekdays. Our Sundays will be no more multi-ethnic than our weekdays. And so as we step into our communities at work, and as we step into our our neighborhoods, uh, we need to seek out um, multi-ethnic relationships. Nothing wrong with that. Everything right with that. And that's just kind of the highlight from last Sunday. I'm not going to re-preach everything. That's kind of got us to where we are. Can we have a word of prayer? And then I promise you, I'm jumping right in, and I'm promising you it's going to be nowhere near as long as last Sunday. Hold me to it. Dear Lord, we love you. Lead and guide my thoughts. Lead and guide my words. God, I pray that we would take your word and that we would apply it to where we live right now today. God, we would interpret it properly and then we would do something about it. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Simply today, number one, I want us to see that we have the same Father. We have the same Father. For through Him, verse 18, we, this is Jesus, we, have both, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. You see, multi-ethnic communities, multi-ethnic cultures, we as Christians, we have the same Father, and that's our Heavenly Father. Romans chapter 3, verse 29 and 30. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God, same Father, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Jews and Gentiles. We have the same Father. What does that tell us? If we have the same father, then what can we take from that? If I have the same father as someone else, that means that I am their brother. And that that is my brother, or that is my sister. To get my pop culture song in, that means that then truly, we are, there we go. All right, you guys help me out then? The truth is, We are family. We are family. It's not, do you want to be family? No, we are. You see, the same God that that Middle Eastern man last week, over in the Middle East somewhere, converted from Islam to Jesus, to Christianity, that man became your brother. And this morning... The lady, maybe, who, who is uh, on her knees even right now in, in Central or South America, speaking a different language than us, that has maybe, uh, uh, that has maybe turned from Catholicism and, and maybe a workspace salvation, and today is bowing her knee and putting her faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone to save her. She is now your sister. And she doesn't speak your language. And that man from the Middle East doesn't speak your language. And even right now today in Durham, North Carolina as a, maybe a predominantly black church today maybe preaching the gospel and there may be someone who's been running and running and running from the Holy Spirit and today that African-American young man uh, puts his knee to the floor and trusts in Jesus Christ as his Savior. Guess what? He is now your brother. How do we know that? It's because we have the same Father. And that's our Heavenly Father. We have the same Father, and that is our Heavenly Father, and having the same Father makes us kin. It makes us family. It makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And we joke about this, right? We call him, this is Brother Jeff, right over here. And we joke about that all the time. But where that stuff was birthed from, and I know that's kind of like Christianese, and I don't really speak it too well. Try not to be fluent in it. Um, but that's where that did originate from. Brother so-and-so and and sister so-and-so. It's because it was the way that we addressed people that were of the household of faith. That were of the family of God. Hey, you're my brother. You're my sister. And that's what we need to understand. This is what Paul is teaching here. Remember, this is Paul teaching a, a, a church or a group of local churches in Ephesus who, they were in a diverse community. They were in a multi-ethnic community. Paul is teaching them, hey, listen, you're no better than your brother or your sister. You all have the same father. Not only that did we learn in verse 18, but we also learned this, that we have the same spirit, number two, this morning. We have the same spirit, for through him, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit. By one spirit. Spirit. A little bit later on in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, we find there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I wish they would have just hyphenated that, just for the southerner's sake, right? And in y'all, alright, because that's what it is. But that one God and that one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in y'all, all right. That is it. That is what the Bible says. We are, we are, we have the same spirit. If you think back to about a month ago, that we put a we put a a, a um, graphic up on our screen and we talked about how our old nature, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, that our old nature became a new nature, and that new nature was indwelt by the Holy spirit. And so I have the same Holy Spirit as that Middle Eastern man who bowed his knee and converted to Christianity last week. And I have the same Holy Spirit inside of me that that lady in, in, in Central or South America today who bows her knee and converts from Catholicism today. I have the same Holy Spirit. I have the same Holy Spirit as that man in Durham today who, who, who has a different skin tone as me. Uh, me being white, he being black today, and he bows his knee and trusts Christ as a Savior. I, I have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same new natures. We have common ground, and that common ground is not just found through our same Father, It's not just found through Jesus. It's found through our Holy Spirit of God that lives and dwells within us. We have a commonality. How many of you have ever been out of the country on any kind of a short-term mission trip? Anybody? I know we've had several. Been out of the country on any short term? Okay, good. If you're ever in a country outside of America, especially if you're in one where they speak a different language. Okay, by the way, um, not to get ahead of myself, but we're going to provide opportunities for that in the future. Steve is working on some stuff. We've been meeting about that for short-term missions trips out of our church. And we're looking forward to offering that in the the next few months. But all that to say, if you've never been able to go on a foreign missions trip, somewhere where they don't speak English, okay, you know what you find there? You find a common spirit. Most of the time when you show up to do missions trips, you're working with some sort of local church or Christian organization most of the time. You know what you find there? that the people that greet you and that talk to you, there's this common bond that you have that you can't really explain. Your spirit testifies with their spirit and, and you have a common bond and a commonality with someone from a different country and that doesn't speak your language and you can't really explain what it is. You know what it is? It's the fact that God's Holy Spirit is testifying to God's Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? God's Spirit in you, God's Spirit in them. Let me give you a quote by H.B. Charles Jr. He's a pastor down in Jacksonville, Florida. He said it like this. If I'm saved, the Holy Spirit is in me. Amen? Okay. If I'm saved, the Holy Spirit is in me and the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen? Right. The Holy Spirit in you is not going to tell you not to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit in me. Follow it. Follow it. If the Holy Spirit is in us, He will cause us to love one another. And He concludes with, the Jesus in me will love the Jesus in you. Hey, it's what we are called to be as Christians. The same Father... God. The same Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in you is not going to tell you to not have, it, have anything to do with the Holy Spirit in me. If we will take our preconceived notions, if we will take our flesh and what all we've let come into our, our lives since the day we've been born if we would just push that all to the side God's Holy Spirit will connect us and unite us with people that look just like us and the people that, people that have nothing in common with us. In our flesh. If we'll just get out of the way. If we'll just remove our flesh. The Holy Spirit will testify to other believers. And we will have a common bond. But the problem lies when we allow ourselves to get everything in between. And get this all mixed up. We have the same Father. We have the same Spirit. And number three this morning, we have the same citizenship. We have the same citizenship. Verse 19, now, therefore, uh-oh, that's my favorite word in the Bible. All right, therefore, what's it Therefore, All right, we look back, we just got done finishing verse 18. Through Jesus, we have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You see, this morning, we have the same citizenship. And I mentioned this briefly last week, but if you don't get along and you don't like to be around people that don't look like you, then heaven is going to be a little difficult for you. Because you're going to be living forever with people that don't look like you and don't worship like you. And don't have the same... They don't vote like you? Man, that's my favorite one. They don't vote like you, man. We think like, oh, if you're a Christian, this is exactly the way you vote. Come on now. They don't vote like you. They see things differently than you. You see one issue politically. You see it from this angle. And they see that issue from the other angle. And guess what? For eternity, you're going to be worshiping Jesus next to each other. Red states and blue states. Red cities and blue cities. Socialists and capitalists. White and black. Asian and Latino. We're going to be worshiping together because you know why? We have the same citizenship in heaven. Hey, we're all going to the same place. We're all headed in the same direction. And that is to be reconciled to God our Father through the common spirit that we have. We're all headed in the same place. We have the same citizenship in heaven. And that's very important for us to understand. It's very important. My job here on this earth is to ready myself for heaven my job here on this earth is to get myself closer to my creator through sanctification as I as I learn to walk in the spirit and walk with God so that one day when I leave this earth and my time on this earth is over and I cross over and I'm in heaven with him that I am prepared and I'm ready and we were worshiping and one of those ways is to sit beside somebody that doesn't look like you. It's to worship with someone who doesn't look like you. It's to give ear to someone who has a different opinion than you. By the way, I don't believe this is just necessarily speaking of skin color. I think this is talking about a wide variety of differences that we can and should have. That's why you don't hear me as the pastor of Keystone Church. I would dare say that other than my wife, in this room, there may be one other person that knows how I vote. Now listen, you are all citizens of this country, and you all have your opinions, and let me just say this, you're not the pastor. So I don't care, you can share your opinion, you can be very passionate about your opinion. I think that's your God-given right as an American. You ought to, that's fine. But you understand in my position, that anytime I say something, or any that I post something, or any that I make my opinion known, whether I like it or not, you know what people do? They ascribe it to the church. So that's why I'm very, very cautious with what I post. I know that's shocking to some people because I've not always been that way. Um, but I'm very cautious about that. I'm even cautious about what I, I mean, this, this is really dumb, but I'm really cautious about what I post, like on Facebook, about like my, my fanhood. Because I'm a Duke fan. And... A lot of people aren't. You know, it's all good. But you know, you know why? You know why? For me, it's just not worth. Some people take it more seriously than other people. At the end of the day, I mean, I'm angry because we got beaten football yesterday. I want to go punch that cinder block wall over there. But guess what? I got to come up here and I got to preach the word of God to a bunch of people that don't care who my football team is. And guess what? I've got to preach to a bunch of people who don't care who I'm voting for in the next week, week and a half. At the end of the day, we have to always keep those. And and let me just say this. Can I give you some Joshology? Just very briefly. Once again, we preach the word. And if I ever don't preach the word, I'm going to tell you. And right now, this is Joshology. In In your exercising your freedom and right politically, you have it. Let me just give you, if it ever comes to a point where there's disagreements and there's issues going back. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm saying that you should, and you you have every right to do that. I'm just saying if it ever comes to that point, maybe for a brief second, take a a real step back for just a second and ask God the Holy Spirit, is this argument worth it? Is this a hill that I want to die on? And if the answer to that question is no, if it's not, I'm telling y'all, I know I can find a verse to back this up, but I'm just going going to... If it's not a hill worth dying on, it's not a hill worth fighting on. Do we understand that statement? If it's not a hill worth dying on, it's not a hill worth fighting on. So this morning, we are citizens of the same country in heaven. But let me also suggest that we are citizens of the same country in heaven here on this earth in the form of the body of Christ. We are citizens of the same country. It says in verse 20 that we were built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God. I believe that that is referring to the local church. Not only our citizenship eternally in heaven, we have the same citizenship, or we should have the same same citizenship here on this earth, in church. In church. So I'm calling for a multi-ethnic church, I believe because Scripture calls for it, because Paul called for it in the day of the Ephesians. I'll say the same thing that I said last week, in regards to this, if this church was located in Switzerland, I would preach this sermon differently. Because application doesn't necessarily translate in Switzerland, more than likely. Everybody there is probably blonde hair and blue eyes. Looks like Alan ben Right? Uh, we all, we all everything, everybody's probably the exact same. And so I would probably simply apply this passage the theological way of Jews and Gentiles and we move on. But I'm applying it to us because I think that we're not ignorant. And I think we look around and we live in Durham. We live in the surrounding areas. I think we look around and we, we understand that we have an opportunity to show what the true body of Christ ought to look like. So because we have the same Father and we have the same Holy Spirit and we, have, we are citizens of the same countries, then we are family. And then we should be citizens of the same local churches. You see, these people all throughout this, this area are my brothers and sisters in Christ. The rich, the poor. The Latino, the Asian. The American, the Pakistani. The, 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 the Spanish. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And because of that, I am a Christian before I am white. And because of that, Get ready. I am a Christian before I'm an American. And because of that, I am a Christian before I am whatever political party that I happen to be. Why is that? Because I'm ultimately a citizen of the same country. Ultimately, we're talking about our eternity in heaven. I am a brother or sister in God's family before I am anything else. And I believe that's important. And I believe we need to understand that. You say, Josh, are you anti-American? Oh, no. I love my country. I respect so highly and love those who enlist in our military willfully and literally sign their lives over to protect our freedoms and to earn our freedoms. Oh, a, gra- a debt of gratitude. Some of you in here who served. Oh, a debt of gratitude that we would never, ever be able to repay. I'm an American. Through and through, I believe it's the greatest country on God's earth. I pray for its leaders. I pray for the people that I agree with. I pray for the people I disagree with. I pray that our country does exactly what God wants it to do. Man, I'm on board. I love my country. But I love my Savior. And I love His children. My brothers and sisters. A whole lot more. And I believe that's the... That's the, the, the philosophy that we need to, to take with us. In conclusion today, I want to acknowledge a couple of things and then give us a couple of practical steps that I believe that we as a church uh, can take. If I got any feedback from last Sunday um, from a few people, it, it was really good feedback. Um, but one of the questions was, okay, how does that play out you know, practically? How does what we we're talking about how can we take some like, legitimate, practical, tangible steps? I think that's a fair question to ask. Um, and so that's what I kind of wanted to end today with. I wanted to acknowledge a couple of things, though, first. Number one is this. This journey is not a simple journey. If it were a simple journey, then many other churches all over this country would have taken that journey, and we wouldn't, our churches wouldn't look the way they look right now today. So this isn't a simple journey. There are many complex questions and complex individual situations and scenarios. So there is not a one-size-fits-all remedy. I think I mentioned last week I've read a book um, that, that kind of talked through some of this stuff. And this not, that book is not like, a oh, plug it in, and here's the way it works, and you're good to go. It's complex. You ever, had to, you ever talk to someone about race? It's a complex issue. So let's not kid ourselves. It's complex. So this journey is not a simple journey. And the second part, then, because of that, I don't have all the answers. Very simply put, I don't have all the answers. Um, my personal journey includes me doing a lot of listening to people who see things from a different perspective, maybe, than I have. And people that don't look like me. But I don't have all the answers. And I'm foolish to think that the three or four people that speak into my life in this area have the answers to a T. So let's, let's be, what, what I'm saying is let's be patient with each other. Let's be patient with our church. Let's be patient with our community. And let's be patient with our friends. Let's be patient with our neighbors. Let's be patient with everyone we come in contact with because we don't have all the answers. But in order to begin understanding the answers, for me... This is just for me. I must be willing to shut up for Jesus and listen. Shut up and listen. Really. Like, help me understand whatever this topic is. Maybe someone from work, someone we run into that's from a different ethnicity than us. Hey, help me understand. And then shut up. And then listen. Instead of going, well, but, but no, you misunderstood. Like, that's not the way I feel. I mean, that's not, no, just, just just hush for a second and listen for a little bit. Once again, I've said, I I think this has come out like six times in the first year. If we just do that in general, if every now and then we just be quiet and listen to some people, we probably gain a lot more friends that way. People really love having friends that just listen to them. That's a good thing. So it's a complex journey that I don't have the answers to. Here's some practical things that we are going through to do moving forward. And um, I think this will help us. Uh, Number one, we want to be as intentional about being multi-ethnic as we have been multi-generational. I hope you guys, and we don't do a great job of this. We can do better. I know we can. But we didn't plant this church targeting 18 to 30 year olds. Okay? And maybe I need to target them a little bit more. We are in the middle of college land everywhere. But I think, I think you guys can understand and appreciate that I didn't target a certain area, and there are many church planners that do. I'm going to target a certain age group, and that's what I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket, and that's fine if that's what they feel like God has called them to. I felt like God called me uh, to a multi-generational context. Okay? Um, and we have done a couple of things. Not, nothing crazy. Nothing we can do better. We've done a couple of things. We, we try to sing hymns. And for the most part, Nearly every week, we sing not just a hymn, but we sing an old hymn that if you grew up in church and you were from that, you know that hymn. We try to do that. Now, there are some new hymns, some modern hymns. One of my favorite ones uh, that we've introduced is Living Hope. That's a modern hymn. It just got written. It just got released in like the last year or two. It's a great hymn. It's a modern hymn. That song, In Christ Alone, I think we did that last Sunday. Christ Alone is a hymn that's been written within the last 10 to 12 years. It's a more modern hymn. So not every hymn that we sing um, is from the old like, Red Book from back in the day, right? Um, it's not, not all from that, but we have been intentional. So from the time we started, there's been two people that have helped me uh, pick music, select music. It's been Bruce and it's been Tim. They both can testify, if you would like to ask them. They both can testify of my heart seeking a balanced and blended worship style. Okay. So that's been the first thing we've done. The second thing that we've done is we've kept our connect groups multi generational. We've done that as a church. So you come on a Wednesday night and you come to a connect group. You're not going to walk in and I'm gonna be like, all right, how old are you? Which, number one? That's an awkward question to ask people. But um, you know, maybe see what life stage are you in. But uh, basically, you're saying, hey, how old are you? All right, and I'm not saying, oh, okay, well, now that you've hit forty, you know, I need you to come out of this little pocket of people. And you need to come over to this pocket of people. And you went from being the oldest person in the room now to the youngest person in the room, and like, this is just how we have it broken apart. Or the best one is, we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna do something for our, for our singles. This is, this gets on my nerves. We're gonna have a singles small group. And like, in that church's mind, singles are 18 to 25. Hey, newsflash. There's a bunch of single people that are 25 to 60, right? 25 to 60, 70. Anyway, I digress. Um, we decided to make our connect groups multigenerational. And this is not just temporarily until we get big enough to so where we can divide it. This is a heart that we have for, we believe the book of Titus, we believe other parts in the New Testament that tells that the, the older should teach the younger. Um, and not sometimes just in your age. Maybe the older spiritually even sometimes teach the younger spiritually. And most of the time that that generally means the older in age teaches the younger in age. Doesn't mean we won't have young people teaching and leading, we will. But that means that in order for us, I believe, to fulfill that scripture, that the, the older women teaching the younger women and the older men teaching the younger women, that, that's in the book of... that. I think that's a good thing. And we want to do that. And so I want... Shane and Sherry Acres to speak into the life of Brian and Bethany Kennedy you have Shane and Sherry Acres who have two kids that have graduated from, from uh, high school and college by the way um, but, uh, and, and moving on into graduate Hannah praying for you uh, but, uh, but um, you have that and then you have uh, Brian and Bethany who have a three year old soon to be three year old and a newborn you know what I, you know what I like? I like, even if it's subliminally, even if it's not like them asking specific questions, just being around people that are further down the road than you are in life is a good thing. So, we've been semi-intentional about being multi-generational. And I hope you can appreciate that and understand that. But I'll be honest, we've not really given a ton of effort and intentionality to being multi-ethnic. And I want to do that. I want to do that. Uh, Remember last week, we talked about that wall being broken down, the Gentile wall. That wall was broken down, and now the Jews and the Gentiles were to worship together. So that's part of it. We want to be intentional. We want to break down walls. Okay, break down walls. So how can we do that? A couple of these things are going to sound stupid, and that's okay. But I hope you understand where it's coming from. We would like to begin to incorporate a more diverse musical feel. OK, a diverse. What does that mean? Something as small as this past week, we added a couple of songs that would be more of a like a black gospel feel into our pre-service music. OK, so let's, once again, I'm a white pastor talking to a predominantly white church. I don't care what kind of music is playing when I walk in here. I really don't. It does not affect me one way or the other. I walk in music's playing whatever. But if there's a first-time guest family, and they walk through those doors, and they, no one in here really looks like them, you know what could start to break down a little bit of a worship wall? Would be if they walked in, and there was a song playing that they remember as, that they remember as a kid when they went to church. Or that the radio station, or the Spotify playlist, or the YouTube playlist that they listened to during the week... Oh, I recognize that. You say, that's not a big deal, Josh. I agree with you. That's not a huge deal. But that's just one way to like chisel at that wall. I've already talked to Tim and and, 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 and let's face it, it. It won't be an easy task, but I've already, this week, when, we, when Tim and I met, we talked about how can we begin to weave in in our worship. And we, we selected a couple of songs. We think that maybe as we move forward that we can incorporate in Because we want to break down the walls. We will begin to incorporate a more diverse uh, musical feel. Number three, we will make the first move. This is very important. And I love every one of you and I love my family and I love this church. But I just, I think we need to understand this. We will make the first move. If we say, hey, we're a multi-ethnic church now. Well, we're not yet. Okay, number one. And we need to make the first move. As with any relationship that could have some tension, husband and wife, you're fighting. It's eight o'clock at night. You don't talk to each other. You finally go to bed at 1030. You haven't haven't talked to each other. Somebody's got to make the first move. You know how it is, you're laying in bed, and you're facing that way, and she's facing that way, and you're like, I ain't budging. I am not, I am not, nope. I'm, y'all. Some of y'all are smiling because you know, and you're elbowing your spouse. You get it. I am not making, nope. I don't care that the Bible says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath right now. I don't really care. I'm not budging because I am stubborn because that's just the way I am. Don't get me started on that, y'all know. Don't get me started on that. Jesus changed you. Anyway. You know what? Somebody's got to make the first move. And so we want to commit as a church to making the first move. That means that we want to be intentional personally. We want to create conversations with people that don't look like us intentionally. What that means is that lady at work this week Next week, just make it, And it doesn't have to be like, I am going out to eat with you because your skin tone is different than mine and I am seeking to learn. No, but it can be, Hey, there's five ladies that I work with. And two of those ladies come from a different racial background than me. So guess what? Instead of going out in my comfort zone, let me go out with people that I don't, that, that see things differently than me. That's really cool. We should do that every week. Um, to see things differently than me. And, and I just want to have fun, and, and, and maybe I'll buy the meal, and maybe we'll talk, and we'll have fun, and we'll develop a friendship. That's what it means. It mean, means that we make the first move, and then corporately, as a church, we want to make the first move in our communities. That looks like this. The next thing, we will strategically reach out into multi-ethnic communities, uh-oh, not just to bless them. The, I'll be honest, here's, here's what I've been doing for the last year. We have these carnivals. We have these events. And in my head, and even verbally, I say, we just want to bless the community. Okay, good. Way to go, Josh. You're going to give people some free food. You're going to let their kids play for a little bit. And then everybody goes back to their own segregated areas. So we don't want to just bless them. But we want to develop relationships. Long-lasting relationships. That means that at the... Um, apartment complex right off of Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard that I want to target for outreach coming up in 2019. I don't want to target them by just going there and giving pizza to the kids. But I want to talk to people. And I want to invite them into a friendship. And I want to invite them into a church family. And I want to invite them into my life. It's much more than just showing up and doing a drive-by blessing. Hey, we're coming through. Here's some pizza. We love you guys. See you next time we do this. No, we want to be intentional. And we want to make the first move as a church. Strategically, outreach. That means all types of people. That means Hope Valley Farms. That means Woodcroft. That means Fayetteville, Fayetteville Road. That means everywhere. We want to be strategic. But we don't want to ignore communities multi-ethnic communities that we would in the past just say it's good enough for us to do something for them and we kind of just walk away. It's no longer good enough for me. Um, And then lastly, and we are done, we will not only seek to have multi-ethnic church attenders, but we will seek to have multi-ethnic church volunteers, leaders, and influencers. Um, That means that when people from different ethnicities come into our church. Just like, we, just like this week, I had lunch with a family in our church and one of my questions was, hey, if we ever go back to connect groups in homes, uh, would you consider possibly praying about hosting? That means that when families, multi-ethnic families come in, I say, hey, listen, as we go to lunch and we talk, hey, listen, if we ever get in connect groups and we're going back into homes, would you consider leading in this area and hosting? That means, hey, we need to add uh, some people to our worship team, Tim. You know, we we need to get uh, more of a rotation, and we need to be able to give people a break. And so that means that as multi-ethnic families begin coming to our church, that we reach out to them as well, even aggressively, so that they know that you have a family here, you have love here, you have an opportunity here to not just attend, but to be a part Acts chapter 13, I mentioned it last week. The church at Antioch, they ordained leaders at Antioch. It was a multi-ethnic community. Two African leaders, two Middle Eastern leaders, and one Asian leader. Five leaders in their church. We're, gonna just, we're not going to force anything, but we're going to be very open to that. And we're going to aggressively seek that in our church. If you want to view it this way, and y'all know I'm done, because watch. All right, we're done. All right, final illustration. And I would do this, and I, would, I, I thought about having people bring it up, but I thought it'd just be too much. If we want to look at it this way, we have a six-foot table sitting up here. That's our church. Currently, in various serving roles, volunteer roles, and leadership roles, we have, let's just say, six chairs around this table. Two Two and two. And it seems like that table's full. Right? I mean, right now we have somebody helping with our teams. Right now we have people that are helping in our kids. We have people that are helping in our worship. We have people that are helping with our uh, connect team and our greeters. We have people that are helping in a setup and teardown. We have people that are helping in all these areas, right? So what's the answer? Is the answer to say, oh, well, now if we're going to have multi ethnic people, then we remove you out of your spot and we, we don't need you anymore and we're going to, no the answer is if we have a full table you know what the answer is we grab another table and we grow and we grow and, and we don't put just the multi-ethnic people at this table and leave all no no no, no we, we move ch- chairs around and, we, and, and we, we seek to serve together and we love together and we add another table and we add six more chairs people that serve and develop and lead and speak into and have a voice and then if we fill that table up we add another table this is called growing the church. And we add another table. And we figure out other ways for people to serve. And we figure out other ways for people to lead and for people to, to be a part. Young, old, Hispanic, Latin, uh, uh, Asian, uh, all, all different. And we just cre- continue to create more tables. Continue to create more tables. And that's our goal. That's our job. This was the part two of a two-part sermon series. We are done specifically talking about this. But I hope that this will, at the very least, begin to work in our hearts personally and in our hearts corporately as a church. So that when people come and they walk through those doors, legitimately, no matter what they look like, legitimately no matter their background or even what language they speak that we are intentional not just being friendly shaking around hey it's good to see you today (laughs) but actually reaching and developing friendships and hey man I've seen you back here a couple of weeks man where do you guys live oh you, you know what? we don't live far away from there man you think maybe we can grab coffee sometime like I'd love to get to know you a little bit better Hey, you want to go out to eat next Sunday after church? We would love for you know, our families, maybe we can go grab something to eat together. That's what it looks like. Um, hope you guys have heard, have heard my heart. Um, and I hope that we will take this to heart. We could have in the book of Philippians, unity is spoken about and the same principle applied. Um, and I purposefully did not go this direction when we were in the book of Philippians because I didn't feel like I was personally ready to apply that. Just being honest. Um, and when I knew when God brought, this, brought me to this passage, I knew that he was ready and that I was ready. And so I hope that we'll take this and I hope that we will apply it properly um, to our lives. At the end of the day, we believe that we serve a God who loves everyone. We believe in a whosoever gospel. We believe in anyone. No matter their background, no matter their social status, economic status, no matter their skin color, no matter their sin, no matter anything, we believe that Jesus Christ died for all. And part of that is loving our neighbors, our multi-ethnic, diverse neighbors. Can we band together as a church? And if you're here today and you've never trusted that Jesus, the Jesus that would reconcile all those differences. That's the Jesus that we serve. And if you're here today and you've never trusted in that Jesus, I would be, it would not be right for me to leave without offering you salvation through Jesus' name. For Him to come into your heart and life, His Holy Spirit to dwell within you, for your life to change, to begin to change right now, to develop a personal relationship with Jesus, and then for your eternity to change. That day that we all will face when we leave this earth and we go to the next, that our eternity will be forever settled in heaven with Jesus. reconciled to God. If you've never trusted in that Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity today. This has been the Preaching Podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.